Southern California, yeah. Born and raised our DNA, laugh and cry to what we say, we hit you with that wordplay. 4053. What episode are we on? D, they feeling like baby zombies, all dressed in Abercrombie. SoCal DNA coming in live, 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. COVID got you sitting inside, why not sip one and free your mind? Cheap thrills, popping pills, stack cash, spend it fast. Listen to all of those lies as Arjun act like he's surprised. surprised. Game two, Dodgers, not looking too well, not looking too well, but as a true baseball fan, true Dodger blue fan, you know, we got another inning. I think we're going to be pulling out just fine today. I think so. It's 8.40 today, coming in a little later than usual, but at least on a Wednesday. Uh, Arjun's getting used to his new job. Uh, I'm used to my new job, and... uh, we're, we're good to go. Arjun, you want to introduce why this episode is so special to us? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed giving you a special, special episode today. We teased it last time. Um, you know, SoCal DNA has been on a long journey. We've been uploading on YouTube. We have a logo. We have a theme song. And, you know, we're on Spotify now, too. You would think, what more could we want? <laughs> what else is there to accomplish in life for a so podcast? Much more. So much more. So much more. That is true. And so we thought, you know, it's about time we had our first guest on the show. And, you know, we have many adoring fans, countless. You know, I, I could count them on, on two hands, <laughs> but now it's, it's, it's more. It's more than just ten. Um, but one of them has been a day one supporter uh he's been following the podcast on youtube um on spotify just listening pretty much before everyone else too and uh it's it's only right that we reward our fans you know and so without further ado uh let me introduce none other than uh the esteemed the expert of many things in life zan bokari so ladies and gentlemen round of applause round of applause for zan bokari so clap for him clap for him and uh, Zan, why don't you go ahead and uh, say a couple words to the uh, to the audience here? Sure thing. So as a day one listener, I really liked how SoCal DNA has uh, evolved from how it started. Uh, just better chemistry between the hosts and uh, a lot more organized with segments, a lot more structure. So that's nice to see. And I guess I'll start with a little bit about myself. So uh, I guess in the podcasting genre, I've mainly been a listener more so than a guest on anything. I think I've been a guest maybe once on a podcast at like an anime convention somewhere for like some raffle. Really, really uh, embarrassing moment. But yeah, so I'm in the... Uh... Wait, hold on though. Hold uh, on though, Zen. Let, let's yeah. hear about this movie. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Uh, you didn't even get so, too far. You got to let him finish his intro, bro. No, bro. <laughs> I, I got questions for that. We got a five question for the guest segment that's oh, coming up okay, soon. Okay. But since you did start this, Zan, I, yeah. tell me a little bit about this incident what happened at the anime convention wait when was this first off can you set it up like give us the context i mean 2014 2013 something like that so they have their their panels sometimes for like a podcast or for like like youtube shows over there sure so basically they had a a segment where you basically have to uh uh give give an answer to a really stupid question to win a prize and they were giving a bunch of uh I think it was a recess with one of the shows. You remember that show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was recess, and then there was like a lot of like anime that would never sell anywhere. So they were kind of just giving that away. So I can't remember exactly what my question was, but it was just pretty embarrassing. Like I was just hey, that was a I just kind of want to leave the stage. Yeah, 
That was a solid year for anime, if I remember correctly. I think 14 or, or 13 or somewhere around there. That's when Tokyo Ghoul came out, right? Yeah, I think that was around then. Attack on Titan yeah. season one was somewhere around then as well. Everyone was dressed up in those uh, those yeah. garbs of all, what do you call them? The, yeah, like the, the recon the, unit. Survi- uh, the survi- yeah, the survival kit. Yeah. yeah. The REI. Yeah. Damn. Man, but you, you, you don't remember? You, you were just embarrassed? Or it was probably like one of those memories that's just like pushed in the back, never to be remembered? Yeah, yeah, more more so like that, yeah. There we go. And I'm trying to remember what I got. It it was some really mediocre show. It was not memorable at all. But I was just happy that I was on the on the recording. There we go. Because I think my question wasn't as embarrassing. I don't know what my question was either. It's been, I'll probably have to dig it up. I'll, I'll bring it up sometime. But uh, but that was probably my first time on a podcast. But sure. listener wise, I listened to a, like a bunch of stuff, a lot of genres, a lot of comedy podcasts. I think I listen to like four or five anime podcasts right now, and. Uh, what else? Sports. Uh, uh, you have obviously Bill Simmons, and then uh, The Ringer. That's the other network of podcasts. They they have a bunch of stuff. And actually, the, the Ringer is Bill Simmons. Uh, what's the other one called? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna call you out. I was like, what, what's, what's the pay, sure. pay, pay 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 per subscription one called for sports stuff, where you pay for the journalism? You mean Athletic? The Athletics? Athletic. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah Athletic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah looking a couple of theirs. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah no, they're Athletics. So solid, the dude. They've, been, they've been swooping up pretty much all the top tier talent. Like I. I can only imagine what when Woj's contract is up, he's gonna be over there sometime soon. And then there's the the top Patreon. Have you heard of Chapo Trap House? I have not. Tell me more. Tell okay. me more. So that basically originated uh, in I think 2015, 2016, out of kind of like the Bernie Sanders movement. And they just go hard in the paint. And they just uh, go after anyone. Sounds like Argentina. They're basically called the dirtbag left. That that's kind of what they've been dubbed, and they like. It sounds like whoever doesn't agree with them, they just, they just go go after them. Yeah, yeah, that's Arjun for sure. Yeah, that's, that sounds like Arjun. Yeah. Arjun, you sure you're not no, a really executive producer? Them, yeah. uh, no, I I I was uh, hardly paying attention to the last two minutes. But let me let, <laughs> me, let, me, let me move on to uh, another question here. Uh, so Zan, I, I, this was great. I, I know you you listen to about thirty different podcasts, including ours. Uh, how do you know the hosts? How do, how did you come to know us? Let, let's talk about that. Sure. I guess I met both of you in Mesa Court. Uh, what year would that be? Oh nine, the golden 10, years. Maybe? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember why. Two thousand eight. I think you just wanted to show me what when Mesa Court was that that far far off land from the, the really uh, Earth like Middle Earth, and the before in Mesa Court. Oh, Zan, did you go to? Uh, far. Did you go to UCI also? I guess so. Yeah. I thought I went to Middle Earth, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I guess I did. It's been so long ago. Yeah, um, I, I actually remember the the first time I met him was actually uh, in a chemistry lab. Um, this might have been on like a Thursday night or something, and uh, it was like Chem One B lab or Chem One C lab. I forget exactly. Look at you, overachievers! And Damn. No, well, Damn. well, I, I <laughs> that was probably the last chem I ever took in in college. But um, <laughs> it, it was just uh, it was interesting because I remember that day I I had arrived a little later than usual. Um, and we had to pick partners. We had to pick like lab partners. And uh, somebody who I was trying to become a partner with, she was already taken by her roommate. And mm. I was like, oh, damn. Because mm. I was talking to her earlier that day in the lecture. And so I look around and I'm like, huh. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, Shoulders I got to be and everything like, oh, OK. It's like, yeah, this now. OK. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was like, I was like, like all right. Bad chemistry from the start. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was like, all right, all right, slim pickings, but all right, let, let's see what let's see what we got to work with here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I 
say what's up to this guy. Very <coughs> smart, very smart looking dude. Uh, you know, clearly, you know, he knows what's up. Clearly, he's going to ace this class and clearly he's going to be, you know, expert on chemistry. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to him for a little bit and then we become lab partners. And one of the first things we have to do is identify where everything is on the floor inside Roland Hall, I think it was. Sure. You know, just where the exits are, the stairwell, the, the elevator and everything. And this was interesting because I don't know if Zan remembers this, but I remember, you know, everybody else was kind of going toward one side of the building, like one side of the floor. But Zan was leading me to like a different area. And I think we were looking for one thing. I forget what it was. Maybe it was a fire extinguisher or something. But I realized quickly, oh, okay. You know, maybe maybe I got to take the lead a little bit on this one. You know, everybody else is going over here to this opposite wing. Let me let me uh, tell Zan, hey, let, let's let's try uh, take taking a route over here. And from that day forward, I think we just started working with each other in different capacities, whether it's in class or, um, you know, I think one day, it might have been that day, Zan, you came over to Laguna, showed you around the dorm, and uh, I think I introduced you to Don, who was living in the first floor at the time. He was a community programmer with a nice big room in the first floor. Oh, yeah. And uh, is Don, let me ask you this, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but what was your first impression of Zan? Zan, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I don't remember meeting you, my man. Uh, Arjun introduced a ton of people uh, to me. I probably remember mm, grand total of zero of them. Um, so I apologize on my behalf on that. But you know, that, that, that's you were... really that's really more of a diss to me. More than <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because, uh, <laughs> because clearly he didn't give a damn about anybody that I would bring to him. It was just yeah. all peasants. No, it, it was like a cat, like a cat bringing you a dead bird. You're like, well, why? You don't, don't <laughs> yeah like what, what do you want me to do with yeah, this like, what do you what do you want me okay. to do you want me to eat this i can't it's dead <laughs> it's infested with bacteria it's horrible um but but no zan uh you know i you're right i think it was from fall of 2008 so that's a long time dude like the three of us in some capacity we've known each other for like 12 years sure. that is a long time um so zan I, I i know prior to this question you were telling us about all the different podcasts that you like to listen to. Now, my simple question for you is, man, how do you find the time? Like, how do you keep yeah. up with all this different content? What's the immortal saying? Uh, uh, variable speeds. Oh, really? Do you listen to it at yeah. one five or what, what's your go-to rate? One five or two, depending on uh, ah. how much I can retain. Do you ever get I tried three before. That's 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 cocaine. You don't do three. <laughs> yeah. See, I noticed though, whenever I listen to something at like one five or two, um, even if they're speaking at a slow pace and you speed it up, doesn't it lose the ethos of like their personality a bit? Or is it like the first couple episodes you listen to them normal speed, and then you speed them up? Yeah, you start and normal, and then like some people like like Malcolm Gladwell, for example, talks real 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 slow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. got at least a one point five. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and, you and I usually try keeping like a transcript or some some words at the same time. Got so it. Got go it. Because if it's really memorable, I'll listen to it at normal speed. But that's kind of where you prioritize your time wise. Sure. It's interesting. What what do you rate? Or I guess like what are your top three podcasts? I mean, obviously, SoCal DNA is coming in dead last. So I'm asking, you know, who's <laughs> who's who's coming in one two three for you? Uh, let me pull up my app. One second. There we go. And while Zan while Zan pulls up the app, uh. I know, Don, you also listen to a few different podcasts, right? And one of which I is do. Joe Rogan Experience. So. Joe Rogan Experience, um, yeah. which is interesting. They're on a little hiatus right now. because. Uh, Any thoughts on the Spotify experience? 
Yeah. Have you used the app yet to watch the video? What the hell is that? Yeah, yeah there's that. Uh, I, I used to listen to The Fighter and the Kid, but since some allegations oh. came up with one of the hosts, it's... Oh, really? Which yeah. which one? Which one? Uh, one, one of the hosts, the older one. I'm not going to call out names. I, I respect this guy. The goat, the goat. <laughs> the goat of that metaphor. <laughs> Uh, he was uh, alleged for basically sexual harassment and sexual assault uh, from like the 90s. And they're bringing it up now and it's basically ruined his podcasting career. He's still touring uh, nationwide and doing shows. So he's very successful. Uh, but it just hurts a bit more because he also has a sitcom on a major uh, network that may get canceled because of these allegations. But yeah, no, that's about all I listen to. And then I listen to, like, you know, simple news ones in the morning uh, on the drive to work. Nothing really too crazy. Uh, there's some food ones. David Chang has one, which is kind of a hard listen in the beginning, but he's slowly getting used to it now, similar to us. And, uh, yeah. What about you, Arjun? Do you listen to any? I listen to the SoCal DNA, and uh, really that's the only podcast I need to listen to. I get my daily content of current events, music, basketball, mm. whatever it may be. Mm. And uh, I know no better podcast than the SoCal DNA. There we go. So there we there's go. the company line that I'm towing for us. I there think so, man. I think so. So, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Promoters? What, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, uh, well, sponsors. Well looks- sponsors. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you're listening here. Arjun right here. He's saying we're the best. So I think you guys got to sign up. Sign up. But I don't know. I don't know if sponsors enjoy me promoting my own podcast instead of the advertising. Well, that's the point, man. See, sponsors, if you had sponsored us, that awesome little boring soliloquy that Arjun just had uh, would be yours. It would be yours. So, you know, sign (laughs) us up, you know, reach out to us. Uh, any which way, uh, I'll, I'll post Arjun's number worldwide sometime after this podcast, and just go ahead and call, text, anything. By the way, I just want to say before Zan finally tells us his podcast, uh, I'll, I'll say that lately I've been getting all these text messages from like, you know, vote yes on twenty two or vote no on twenty two, sure. and it, and it's a bit much because it's not just a text message; it comes with a picture of like a like a nurse or like a like a taxi driver or something and it's like yeah. why like why am i getting this much you know messaging i've well, never had this before it's rich you know, people last... million yeah. campaign spending yeah there you go. <laughs> there it is. millionaires trying to influence you man but Come so on, do you guys do you guys get that too like just random messages almost every day from different numbers i mean you can stop get... subscribing but you get different numbers calling you different Dude, numbers I get, you. I get phone calls and mail over here in my hood Oh yeah. Uh, so like, uh, lately it's been picking up, but almost every two to three hours I'll get a phone call from a. Scammer. Oh wow, that often. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's not even scamming because I'll pick them up and they'll be like, oh hey, I'm representing or I'm calling on behalf of representative so and so. What do you think about? And I'll hang up at that point. Or so, mm. oh, what do you think about prop something? Blah, blah. Yeah, whatever. I already voted. Stop trying. You're wasting your money. On I got you. I got you. So, Zan, I, I do want you to bring up the uh, the scamming story that you almost got caught in, uh, that you were telling us about before the podcast started. But before we do, go ahead and give us your top five podcasts that you've been listening to. Sure. Uh, what genre? Any. Okay. I guess we'll start with comedy, the big ones. Joe Rogan. Are you ever said It's a Mark Marin, WTF. That's another one of the OGs. Yeah. Then yeah. there's uh, Bill Burr's. Then Dave Chang, as you mentioned it. Uh, I think it just depends on the guests. Sometimes they're really entertaining. Yep. Sometimes it's cool to see the inside baseball of that whole uh, restaurant tour experience. Yep, yep. Then uh, JJ Reddick started his own like a uh, podcast company sure. and all. 
called Old Man the Tree and the Three. So he left uh, the Ringer and he's kind of started his own thing. Okay. And I think recently he had Steve Kerr on. That was a pretty good interview. Sure. And then uh, Chapo Trap House I mentioned earlier, really fun politics comedy, and they get a bunch of guests on, really, really entertaining stuff. And then you got uh, Bodega Boys. Have you heard of them? I'm assuming they're from uh, New York. Uh, have you heard of Jesus and Miro? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's their podcast. It's oh. real fun. It just goes all over the place. They kind of started in radio before their Vice Line show and then before the Showtime show. So just kind of them just, uh, they kind of vibe off each other, just keep on going. And it's just constantly funny. And they have like 20 minutes of AKs every episode. Cool. Great. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just leave you with that yeah, for right now. Yeah, no, that, that's a fantastic list. That's probably more podcasts than I've ever listened to in my entire life. But I appreciate that, man. It's always great to hear what our listeners like to hear besides ourselves. Um, so going, back, go, going back to uh, the uh, the scam story you were telling us about. So what, what happened there? Like you almost got caught or you almost got scammed? What was it? No, it's actually uh, I was saved by the uh, the incompetency of my cell phone network. Oh, because you know and, when and you just, do have two step verification. Just to let everyone yeah. know, which network are we talking about here? Just call them out. Call them out. I don't want you guys to lose sponsors before you have any. Come on. It's all right. We it lost has so to do with synonym for jogging. Got it, but they no longer exist. Yeah, so so I don't even know what network it is right now. It's probably in some uh, some. It's a middle. It's, it's one of the other three. That yeah. Yeah, well, one of yeah, yeah, the 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 nice purple one. Yeah. Or pink. Sure. So, okay. Yeah. So going back. Uh, okay. So, so we're talking you know, about they have, uh, two-step verification. <laughs> they yeah. basically texted me. Uh, we want to know how if you're real or not. We're really interested in buying this item. We want to know if you're real or not. So uh, we're going to text you something and give us a six-digit code back. Got it. And I basically never received the text from them. So that's all she wrote. Yeah. But I googled it afterwards, and basically they said that if you provided them your cell phone number and the six digits. Like using a Google Voice or something, they could basically ah, uh, so it's facial behavior like, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of those verification codes. Like, uh, they probably input your phone number somewhere as a proxy to get your password or get into an account that has all your information, possibly. Or... Yep, yep. Ah, okay. I made that connection right now. You gotta apologize. I'm a little slower than usual, which isn't speaking much, but you know, still slower nonetheless. About three drinks in, especially now that uh, my daughter's officially lost, so I'm a little. Little Aww. jaded, little jaded, little jaded. My bad. Hey, lost hey, the series or did they just drop the game? They just dropped the game right now, so it's one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, they can they can go through with it. Yeah. 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 So I'm 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 slamming this drink, and another one's ready already. So I'm good to go. So congratulations on your Lakers. Like I can't stand them, but oh, definitely well yeah. worth winning yeah. in the bubble. Too much gold. Too much gold. Too many rings. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got, you got <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Hey, I gotta. Well, do you have a um? I guess a, a favorite team then? If it's not the Lakers, uh, you're making the San wrong Antonio, choice. I tell the Trader left. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a top five player. You drop that, you never come back. Like, mm-hmm. It's going to take some time. And then everyone's going to retire, but I think they just got to rebuild. But they'll be fine. Yeah. Great fan base. Yeah. One of the best coaches to ever coach. Um, I don't know. Hopefully Duncan is the new coach. Like, Whenever that happens. You think so? Like, uh, you, you don't think it's going to be... Uh, what's her name? I'm blanking on her name. Becky Hammond. Becky, Becky Hammond? Hammond? I feel like Duncan's be, be, being with them for uh, about the same amount of time. And uh, you think I guess he's, he's just a bigger name. You're trying to attract free agents and stuff like that. You think he's loud enough, though? I, I never see him talk. I feel like a coach needs to talk. 
He, maybe he talk, he talks like that, like without words. <laughs> can't read, read the plays. I don't know. Rondo always reads all everyone else's plays. The next generation of Zen Master, you know, coming along right there. He's just he's in that zone. You just automatically absorb whatever his thoughts are. <laughs> Pretty much. Be yeah, the thing I the thing I found weird about Tim Duncan last time I saw him on the the Spurs bench, he had this new hairstyle. Hey, I liked it. And and it was like the worst hairstyle ever. I mean, the guy's like, the guy's pushing forty at least. Bro, sure. and, you're saying uh, it's the worst hairstyle? We got to compare your hairstyle to his. And then we'll, we'll take oh, that. I, I, I'm I, I'm sure I'm sure my hairstyle is better than his man. because his hairstyle was kind of like you know you have Play-Doh, right? You have Play-Doh. Sure. And back in the day, you had those like it's almost like a little. Uh, like a grater type of thing where you push the play-doh through and and, and it just kind of comes out all stringy right that's what his hair looked like to me it, it's more of a young man's haircut to be perfectly honest he's still i don't a young expect man. he's still uh, young i don't man. i don't i don't expect a 40 year old tim duncan that pretty much spent most of his career with like a clean shaved head yeah. to all of a sudden go to like this you know 20 year old migos rap star looking haircut hey, but to each his own. To each I'm his liking own. it. I'm liking it. Let him live his life, man. His youth was given up to basketball to entertain us. Let, let him live. Let him live. How, how do you... I was expecting him to endorse Bloomberg, and that happened. So it's a year of surprises. Uh, what was that? Sorry, I missed that, Zan. You, uh, uh, no one expected him to endorse Bloomberg, but that happened. So it's a year of oh, surprises. Oh, oh. So, oh. You know, that's interesting. I, I haven't been keeping up with which NBA ballers are endorsing who. Uh, so why do you think Tim Duncan endorsed Bloomberg? So I think he had uh, he had some uh, hand in helping out. I think after a hurricane in the uh, Virgin Islands, where Duncan is from. Mm. Oh, nice. yeah. can you can you blame him then? I mean, dude, that means like the guy with the money is supporting your people back home. I think if anyone were to do that for my respective, you know, what like Brea, like people no, supporting no, no, no. Brea like Pico Rivera, people... Pico Rivera, you know, okay. like compared to other California states, we're not. Um, the Santa Ana that you live in, right? Or your side of Santa Ana, right? You, you wouldn't say that. Or like, let's say I was native to the Philippines and someone was, you know, sending money that way. Well, I, I think I'd be more prone to support them. Just well, I guess no further comment. You kind of want a Bloomberg sports sponsorship, so I'll just... Hey, you know, hey, Bloomberg, that. hey, dude, uh, we'll, we'll take a we'll take a sponsorship. I, I read your magazine no, from no. time to time. No, actually, actually, no, no. I, well, that is true. Don does read <laughs> magazine, and you know, I, I love it when you go, "Hey, yo, I read it on Bloomberg today." <laughs> so, by the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 that aside, Zan, uh, we will briefly touch on this one. But you know, obviously, we do bring up politics from time to time on this podcast. Uh, do you enjoy those segments? Do you, do you find that our opinions are refreshing or are they kind of stale and just mainstream i think it's always like a minefield to deal with because sometimes <laughs> you're kind of going over your your personal policies which is fine but sometimes i feel that uh, i guess you can alienate some people so it just a, it's a tough battle yeah to i win. mean well what do you recommend then because i i don't see how you could talk about politics without alienating some people uh aside from you know general over generalizing your opinions unless you truly stand in the middle. But even if you truly stand in the middle, then you're definitely going to lose, you know, those on the far sides. I think what you can do is, I guess, just stick to like the headlines. And then I think that like the foreign politics, like the British Parliament thing, because people don't know about that. So I think that's more informative than anything else. Got it's it. less do consequential for us. Do you, do and you then the them? local politics, we have the, uh, uh, not really, just, just what I've heard on uh, your guys' show. Yeah. I followed Corbyn a little bit. I like his politics, but 
uh, beyond that, I think the the new party is kind of obnoxious. Yeah, it's garbage, right? Yeah, Everything yeah. on the yeah, other yeah, side yeah. of the the lake is garbage. Like Mr. Star Lord or whatever his name is, I can't stand him. <laughs> no, Don, Don, you're you're confused because Don, you thought he was talking about the Johnson administration. He's actually talking about the new leadership of the Labour Party. No, no, I'm just talking in general. The whole thing is garbage. <laughs> like, it's not even. I'm not even trying to divide him. I'm just. That's yeah, one yeah, big yeah. group. Just, just <laughs> UK. Just the UK overall. They're just shit. You know, they, <laughs> they produce some good boxers, yeah. but aside from that, let's let's move on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but then if you're gonna go all out, you know, politics genre podcast, like a like a chop or something, you just then you should take your side wholeheartedly and you know rely on Patreon. And then you have people who like your stuff listening it. Sure. Then you could just go all out, being a like a what do you call it milk toast fence hitter. That's no fun. Like, that's not even good listening. That's like, how would you call it cable news? That's no fun. Sure. So so Zan, even though they have record ratings, like Russia hysteria, I guess that sells, right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. So Zan, uh, like, what type of political podcasts do you like to listen to? So uh, there's just a variety of stuff. So there's that uh, that Tim Pool guy. Have you heard of him? Former Vice guy. So he's more on the right. He kind of calls himself a centrist, but like he did say he's endorsing Trump and all. So, so it's good to see that side. There's this other guy, Sargon of Cod. There, there's a bunch on the right I listen to. Just try to just to see that side. Uh, Steven Crowder is another one. And then uh, on the left, uh, probably. Uh, so there's uh, Chapo. That's the big one. So that's more of the Bernie wing. Wait, the, Chapo? Uh, wing, like, I don't really bought. Sorry? Like, Chapo like El Chapo? No, that's just the name. So, so uh, basically, they all started in Brooklyn. They're a bunch of guys from Brooklyn, but uh, like uh, they they got the name from El Chapo and then the trap house they got from Trap Music Houston. So, so that's where they kind of came up with the name. Got it. They probably sling drugs too, huh? Yeah, a ton of jokes. You should just definitely check out <laughs> on YouTube. Is it, like, is it an episode it, on Mayor Pete? You'll just you can't, you won't stop laughing. Like, so like, like you know, the whole rat emoji oh, stuff. Shit. They started that. Here we go. The whole okay, rat emoji. Then <laughs> yeah. I gotta ask you though, man. Who is your favorite drug dealer? You got us the King Push. Ah, correct answer. Correct answer. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, speaking of Pusha T, man, uh, he's been in the game for quite some time. He is a veteran of the hip hop game. What would you say is your favorite song by Pusha T? Well, I guess off the the Daytona album, I really liked. Uh, hmm. What's it called? Let me pull up the list. It's been some time since so I listened. But I guess I'm the recent one, to... Story of a Dion, that was real fun, yeah. Oh yeah, when it, it, that little summer what was, was it last summer or the summer before? It's twenty twenty has fucked up my timelines a bit. But uh, when you had that going on with Drake and that beef, that was taking rap battling to a whole nother level. It didn't though. It really didn't. That's a total bullshit take. Because look, a, a real rap battle was what Pac versus Biggie, right? That's a new level. That's that was the level. Sure. What this was between Drake and Pusha T. Although I enjoyed it, I enjoyed hearing Pusha T. You know, rap about Adonis over the uh, the track that Jay Z made, right? I enjoyed all that. I enjoyed Drake's comebacks. I thought Drake's bars were good too. Which, yeah, but you know, I'm just saying, or it brought it to a whole nother level because I don't think it's. I don't think we should acknowledge the fact that he called out, you know, uh, a son that was being kind of swept under the rug. That's like personal shit that I believe kind of. You don't touch. Hold on, time out, time out, time out. What is your reference for rap beef? Because every good rap beef gets personal, Dom, and you know this. But kids? You're gonna talk about include kids in there? Hey, it's it's fair play. 
it's fair play because I think uh, Pusha T brought this up a while ago. Like Pusha T was asked, "Hey, didn't you go too far? I mean, come on, Push." Sure. Like Joe Biden probably asked him, "Like you know, yeah, don't a you couple have to people asked him. Yeah. yeah, don't you have to draw the line somewhere? Exactly. And he's like, you know, it all is fair in love and war. I think that's something that he said. And if it's a real rap beef, nothing's off limits. If you brought up my baby mama, I think that's what that's what she was talking about, right? Like you know, his fiance. His I think, fiance uh, and the son that was basically a secret to the world at that point. Yeah, so so okay, when, uh, counterpoint that that is that is uh, not true. It was actually revealed. I actually did some research on this, and it was revealed on TMZ a lot before. That was public knowledge. If you did a little bit of digging. Oh, see, there you go. It's public knowledge, Don. What, what's your retort, bro? To that? Uh, TMZ, TMZ. Do you trust everything TMZ releases? No, but you know, you know what I do trust. I do trust. <laughs> they had images. I, listen though, I, I I do trust. I do. I do trust. Don't, don't even get on sources, Arjun. You have a no, bad no, rap no. on sources. Well, a, a shout out to Oxford. <laughs> Looking for our number one sponsorship, Oxford. Here we go. Let's go. Although since they're the student journal, I doubt they have much money to it's give. All right, us, we'll but, take anything. Yeah, but so I I remember Pusha T said he actually got the information from I think Noah, who was the the in house producer for Drake. Mm. So one of Drake's own people actually told, I guess, a girl that uh, Noah was with at the time. And the girl, you know, <laughs> didn't really stay loyal. She kind of spread this info to Pusha T's people. Sure. And that's how Pusha T found out. So to me, it's it's kind of like what Zan said. This knowledge has already been out there. Maybe it's not broadcasted at the same level, but it's not like Pusha T was exposing something for the first time. Okay. It's been done before. It's, okay. Okay. We're just going to, you know, uh, I just want to we'll say I'm more it. right than you. Uh, you that's go. just a low blow. It's a low blow, and I think it's uncalled sure. for in uh, an otherwise fair game. Because that's one of those trump cards that you can't really come back on. So if TMZ isn't reputable, what is, I guess, according to you? That's my next question. Why is who? Or why is what? I guess if TMZ is, is not reputable, then what would you consider reputable? Nothing's reputable. As a source. Honestly. Uh, I, I just said TMZ because TMZ usually gets a lot of bad rap, and they tend to just go for headliners. But are they wrong? Are they wrong though? Because I mean, Don, what, what you're saying is you're basically calling TMZ like a Wikipedia, where it's unsighted and it's not really verified by too many people. But what I'm telling you is, yeah, TMZ isn't necessarily Oxford Student Journal, but <laughs> but you know, I, I think if they have pictures, as Zan says. <laughs> It's got to be real. That's good enough, right? I, I guess, but that can be a slippery slope, man. Especially with all the things. Uh, Zan, are you like uh, well versed when it comes to like deep fake and everything like that that comes with it? Yep. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> technology or just the concept? No, no, just the concept. Because I think I, I, oh, I'm bringing okay. up a, a point. Like, okay, I get where you guys are coming from, but then as time moves on, if we continue to believe that, oh, an image is surfaced and they've got you know information from so and so and so and so that's anecdotal at the end of the day. Uh, with deepfake coming on board and with that technology prospering uh, in the future are we really going to be able to trust that notion that oh we got pictures it's legit well for images there's a thing called photoshop that exists a lot before deepfake sure so so i guess that's a thing but uh, I just, all i'm hearing is the drake apologist so how did do you he really to that? I didn't even know he apologized. Ooh. I thought he just cowered and no, 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 I, no. I, no. I, he's, he's dissing you, fucker. Done. He's dissing you. He's calling you a Drake apologist. Oh, yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> hey, Drake. Hey, by the way, hey, I'm your supporter. Just sponsor me. 
I'm just saying, hey, if the money OVO. comes, I don't know what <laughs> if the money comes, OVO, okay. Bloomberg, see, I'm, I'm going to support it, dude. Hey, if the money comes, by all means, yeah, I'm going to sell up. I don't care. Hey, man, this reminds me of like uh, the whole <laughs> oh, no, the HIV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm serious. Zan, all right, here. Yeah, there we go. Let's ask, him. Let's ask him. Yeah, yeah. A question was posed to me. Um, you know, whether or not I would get purposefully infected with like HIV. Or let's just say like an advanced form of HIV. Uh, one that was incurable. Uh, how much money would it take for you to do that? So it's incurable. Incurable. You're not okay. necessarily going to die from it. But, you know, you will have the repercussions. So you got that Magic Johnson medicine going on then? I'm saying, okay, let's just say a cure won't come out for, you know, at least until you're in your senior mm-hmm. years. Okay. How much money would it take for you to take that injection and shove it into a vein of yours willingly? Probably wouldn't take it, yeah. You wouldn't? Not even the, a the billion suffering, dollars. Suffering would be too much. A no, billion dollars? Too you're much, not going to yeah. die from it. But the suffering. Like, you See, don't want an eternal suffering. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess it's because I'm financially trained, man. The financial freedom you could achieve with just a couple million dollars to not have to work day in, day out whether or not you enjoy your work would free up so much of your time and your quality of life would go up enormously that it would offset whatever you just feel like doing regime change elections and being a bloomberg no (laughs) i don't don't, don't get the appeal yeah i guess i uh views of money are very different it's okay you you know that that, that's quite all right i I think the point here is zan is kind of a a whore when it comes to doing things i'm not zan (laughs) i'm the one drinking not you (laughs) i I was reading another article that's why my my mind got a little flipped there but don he will pretty much do almost anything it's not a whore for money it's having the financial freedom to know that my family will be taken care of generations after me Look, I'm not against horrors. I'm not against prostitutes. <laughs> no, and I you... just want you guys to understand. Like, yeah. as much as you guys will disagree to the fact, I think it's a little selfish because you're not taking into account the fact that those around you will prosper from your own suffering. And I think that selfless nature that I have may be skewed a bit because it's tied to money. But in my opinion, if money were not a problem in one's life, it would get rid of 90% of your problems day to day at the very least so why not do that for those around you for a mild encumbrance of basically having the flu all the time and maybe losing a leg here and there whatever well there's also covid going around so comorbidities are like even worse these days it'll probably take you out hey with enough money it doesn't matter to me dude i'll I'll die happy you're gonna cryogenically freeze yourself or something uh, I, I wouldn't even do that, dude. I'll just say bury me with my middle finger up in the air t- with a note that says "fuck you, Arjun and Zan" for not agreeing with me. You know. That means the podcast is dead. That seems to be a lose lose. <laughs> no, you take over. It'd be a what is it? A and Z. Yeah, that's a pretty good oh. side, by the way. No, A and Z Z and A. No, let's let's uh, let's let's go back to the questions. How about that? Um, so, getting to know our guest, right? We covered the sports. We know Zan is a San Antonio Spurs fan, uh, and we covered how we all met, uh, going back to 2008, 2009, which is a long time. And we also covered how Zan keeps up with all these podcasts, which is really impressive. 
Um, now we want to get into a little bit more fun stuff. Zan, what would you say is your favorite food as Don looks at his messenger chat? Uh, what would you say is your favorite food? I guess give me a cuisine that would help me narrow down. Because I don't think I have an exact favorite, but if you give me a cuisine, that would help out. Okay, um, let's start with uh, Filipino cuisine. Filipino food. I don't think I've had that much. I've just had that one fast food. Was it Jollibee? How's oh, Jollibee? It's fucking good. Jollibee is great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know what's up. Yeah, I think the fried chicken at Jollibee is actually pretty solid. Uh, I wouldn't put it on the same pedestal as like a Popeyes, maybe, but it could stand toe to toe to like a KFC or a Church's. I think, depending on who cooked right. it and when you got it, from when it's come out of the oil. Yeah, I'm trying to see what other Filipino food I've had. I probably had something here and there. I just don't remember the name of a specific dish or anything. Maybe UCI, because I remember we had that Olympic chef that first year, and he'd make everything pretty much. Yeah, yeah, the big dude, right? I, th- I think he was a bigger dude. I'm trying to find yeah. damn. And I think they got rid of him because he was being too nice, or the portions were too great. I don't even know. Yeah. Why would you go down from an Olympic chef? Come on. <laughs> what about Indian food, or what is it, Bangladeshi food? What, what, what's the the right term that I'm looking for? No, well, there are many back. terms for many regions. India has so many provinces, right? Yeah, so I guess Indian as, as a like a subcontinent. Yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, so really, like, uh, have you had the masala dosa before? Dosas. Big, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, dosa. Yeah, super... yeah, yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then I tried this thing called Chicken Sixty Five, which is pretty interesting. So that I think that's a later creation. That is like kind of like a, a sweet and sour chicken, but kind of spicy. So so I tried that recently. That was pretty cool. So then, uh, what, what was it called again? Chicken sixty nine, was it? Sixty five. Sixty five. <laughs> oh, got it. Is there know. is there any is there any point for the sixty five? I, I was like thinking in my head, it's like a fuss. Yeah. So I looked at the Wikipedia. There's no decisive thing, but either it started in nineteen sixty five. They use sixty five chickens. They use sixty five parts of a chicken. Like it's inconclusive. <laughs> I, I didn't know a chicken had sixty five parts. To be honest. Yeah, I don't really know. Huh. But it's an wow. interesting creation. And then obviously the samosas, those that they're pretty fun, and just a lot of those appetizers. Yeah. Cool. So, so, so Zan, uh, you yeah. know, of course, that Don is a entrepreneur of sorts beyond the podcast. He also runs a, a side company called Bunso. And uh, Bunso specializes in a lot of Filipino cooking, but they fuse the recipes with a lot of other dishes, too. I think Don can probably describe it better than I can. I have yet to try it myself. But from the pictures I see on Instagram and from the stories he tells me, his food is pretty good and it sells well too. Um, let me ask you this. What type of dish, Zan, would you want to see Don make that maybe is kind of out of the ordinary? It's something new, something like that's not classic, but maybe a twist on something, right? So given everything that you told us about your fandom of Jollibee and how much you love their crispy fried chicken and how much you like samosas and doses and everything, what would be something that you'd want to see Don create and add to his Bunso menu? Sure. So uh, I'm trying to remember what I was watching. Uh, it was it was one of those cook those uh, food shows on Netflix. Uh, they were showing, I think, uh, in Vietnam, how uh, so it's a big Vietnamese population in Houston. Sure. And they they had the that French influence so yep. back when they uh, brought back some of the dishes back to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They kind of did like a. Was it like a banh mi, mm-hmm. but with like kind of like a Cajun style, so kind of like a fusion elements there, and some of them were using the po' boy bread as well. Sure. So some kind of fusion thing like that, yeah. So some Just kind like of it's different breads and then any topping really, any filling, yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, and usually comes with like pickled veg, some sort of main protein. Often it comes with some sort of a spread that's liver based or heart based, something like that. Yeah, 
Yes. All for it. I have something similar already. Uh, we call yeah. it the... Uh, what, what did I call it? I called it something weird. I think it was like the Longonisa Slammer or something like that. Where uh, we oh, use our traditional yeah. Filipino bread. We call it bundesal, but I make it in a way where it's kind of like a hamburger bun. So it's a little more receptive to those that you know don't know Filipino food. And then I had some pickled veg, pickled daikon, pickled carrot, pickled peppers on top of a sweet and spicy sausage that's uncased but treated like a smash burger. So it's something similar to that, but I can see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can just make little changes here and there, but I think what you have, I just have to definitely try it first. For sure. Have a better idea. Another thing we have is this place called Red Line Pub, which I had seen on uh, that Guy Fieri show, The Diner Dives and Drive Thru, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. And. so they have a place called Red Line, which is kind of like a British pub, but they have like Indian food and like fusion food. Sure. So they have like, they'd have like quesadillas, but with like tandoori chicken. Sick. And like a lot awesome. of interesting uh, fusion stuff. So it's a lot of creativity there. Just making up different cuisines. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you, do you think it's, uh, it's okay to bastardize cuisines that way? Uh, I think uh, when it comes to British food and Indian food, there's a pretty well mix already. But when you brought up the quesadilla, you're, you're clearly mixing... Uh, a little bit of Mexican influence with that of Indian influence or, you know, watered down Indian influence. Do you think that's okay? Yeah, I think I go with the David Chang philosophy on that. Like, there's, there's no good being a purist, you know, just yeah. try what you can try. And yeah. I guess long, capitalism dictates it sells yeah. you. Yeah, as long as it's delicious and yeah, no, uh, we see eye to eye on that one. Just like you got the Kogi tacos, like that's one of the best fusions ever. And that's oh, become yeah. a huge business. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I met the guy that owned it. Not Roy Choi, the actual owner himself, Mark. Dude's really solid. Really cool, down-to-earth people. It's one of the reasons why I got into food. Um, Just to know that, you know, you don't necessarily need that full entrepreneurial spirit in order to become an entrepreneur. And you could, you know, reach millions, become iconic, almost nationwide, um, if you really just put forth a good product. It's interesting. Right, because you've heard of a lot of disaster fusions, but I guess if it clicks, then you just go with it. Exactly. And then maybe expand the menu later. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But I guess with the food truck scene, uh, how do you how, how do you see that uh, working in the long term? Because I know I think, in uh, like COVID, it's doing really well. Yeah. People are looking for something different. Yeah, and I think it's 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 reached its phase. It's already plateaued. Um, what I think the new norm will be, or the new trendy thing, is going to be these kind of food markets. Or beer gardens, uh, for you know those less entwined with it, where they have a bunch of vendors or a bunch of smaller restaurants renting out little smaller spaces uh, in a collective sort of area. So it's similar to that of a food truck sort of, you know, parking lot, but it is an actual venue that showcases 20, 30 different foods or desserts or drinks. Uh, so rather than having the food truck come to you, I think. Uh, our generation, the millennials, are looking for the experience more so, and they're willing to drive out to it. So it saves those in the restaurant industry or those that are more restaurateur-like a little bit of money where I don't have to maintain uh, you know, a, a bucket on wheels. I actually have a legitimate kitchen at a certain location where people know where to find me. So you're saying it's good to have the, the kitchen kind of on its own, but then the delivery system can be a variety of markets. And yeah, stuff like that. yeah. And I think uh, the way that it's going, it, the cleanliness part is what's going to be big. I think COVID's going to even push that some more because everyone's scared of germs more so than no usual. And the food industry uh, is very prone 
to you know certain viruses getting within the food without us even knowing right it's up uh, in the supply chain higher up that us as chefs can't even control so i right. think having that ability to have an actual legitimate kitchen rather than some makeshift one on four wheels uh will work wonders when it comes to that but like pre-covid in boston i was able to go to one of those markets i forgot what it was called sure but it was kind of like an outdoor like a bunch <laughs> of different Asian foods and yep. they we did these spots for Instagram and all really cool setup. Yep. And I think it's super cool because it, it gives people a venue and you're not sitting on a sidewalk, you know, or you're not just taking it to go. Like you could actually enjoy it with a group of people and experience it as a whole while still maintaining the whole Instagrammableness of it and, you know, being first to do it like every hipster nowadays wants to do. Uh, that, I think that's where it's going to go. And you probably have more space for distancing as opposed to a food truck where the yep. lines would probably be a nightmare these days. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Arjun, what do you think? Oh, I think we should move on to the next topic. <laughs> um, so I am curious, Zan, you are a aficionado of anime. You are somebody that frequents anime conventions. You watch many different animes. Maybe in the past you watched more than that. Uh, what is one particular anime that you'd like to discuss? Okay, so I guess I'll start with one of the classics, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Have either of you heard of it? Yep. Heard of it, watched it, didn't understand it when I watched it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Arjun's takes a little more uh, complex than mine, though. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Wait, what? What, what was it? <laughs> He's never watched it. He, he doesn't watch anime. He believes they're for children. Uh, no, I, I don't think I don't think they're for children at all. I think a lot of anime are for adults. And uh, you know, Zan, are you familiar with any adult anime? Uh, like 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 genre wise or for yeah, older let's, let's, aged uh, let's, people? Oh, well, older age people? Is that what you said? Oh, older aged, older aged, like mature. I guess that's the let's, term. Let's say mature. PG thirteen versus an NC seventeen. I guess. Well, so in 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 anime, right? Is there like a genre? for anime that's uh kind of geared toward adults i forget if there's a name for it i don't, I don't really know um, yeah, that's called hentai that oh, okay. so, which actually means i think pervert in japanese it's kind of a catch-all term yeah uh, so so this anime that you're watching does it classify as a hentai anime the the eva well, i think I, I think eva in and of itself didn't didn't touch hentai uh, there were some animations in there that could be pushed a little bit further, right, Zan, about uh, to reach that level. But there were definitely, uh, I guess, fan art made where Ray especially was uh, treated in a hentai manner, I believe, right? Have you seen those? Yeah, they use the term uh, doujinshi, and uh, yeah. I guess I'll end, end that there because we can get in dicey territory. But uh, I guess I'll go into the, the primer on the series. So uh, the studio is called Gainax. It was one of the earlier um, animation studios that kind of specialized in the method camera. <laughs> and, uh, what's so funny? No, no, it's just it's just the the, the studio name. Say it one more time. Gainax. Oh my God, Gainax. That 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 is Gainax. Okay, the G. Sorry. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so it came out in '95, and it's basically a different take on the mecha genre, which is basically the big robots. And, like the catchphrase of the show is "Get into the robot." So you probably heard that if you've, I guess, been around meme culture or whatever. 
but yeah, so that started in 1995, and the new approach it took to that genre was it's more of a psychological approach. People have compared it to like Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud, a lot of elements there. And then from the title, it has a lot of uh, references to Judeo-Christianity. So, so that's just going into the title, and just a little bit of a plot, uh, a plot coverage. So the time period in the show is 2015. And they've had an extinction event called the Second Impact. And you're in a city called uh, Neo Tokyo 3. Mm -hmm. So from there, you meet the main character named Shinji Ikari. And Good he's been abandoned from his, uh, from, yeah, from his dad for a while. And now his dad summons him to pilot this mecha called Eva Unit 1. And he doesn't, at that point, he doesn't really know why he's doing this, but he's reluctantly doing it, and he feels like he can help repair his relationship with his dad. So the series kind of starts there, and they're battling these uh, invaders called angels. Mm -hmm. So that's a uh, basic premise. Uh, two other relevant characters are Rei Ayanami, who is another child who has a similar uh, destiny as Shinji in terms of piloting these Evas. And then Asuka, who's... Uh, who's uh, part German, and I think she's part American, and she speaks uh, German and Japanese. And she's kind of different than the other two. She's more like fiery-tempered. Yep. And she's been a child prodigy. Like, she's been wanting to pilot an Eva from day one, mm -hmm. as opposed to the others. So then, hey, so uh, going back... Zan, uh, Zan, yeah. quick, quick question. So uh, I, I could be totally off on this one, but Evangelion, right? So th this is kind of like the evangelical Christian. So like, what's the Christianity component of this anime? Like, how does it all tie together? I think you need to talk sure. about the seeds. So we have Adam, Eve, we have Lance yeah. of Lodge and the Dead Sea Scrolls. So, so that's all, all I can reveal without going to spoiler territory, but there's a lot of those themes and elements throughout. Yeah. Think of it like there's, there's like two races, more or less, and they're based off of Adam and Eve separately. It's, 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 it's complicated. And I think the exact title I was reading, the director kind of just named it at random because you do stuff like that. Because if we just go back to the... Uh, let me first finish the character. So we have uh, Gendo Ikari, who's the dad of Shinji, which I mentioned earlier. And he's running this organization called NERV, which is doing this uh, thing called the Human Instrumentality Project. So a lot of crazy research and all we don't know about at this time. And he basically wants these prepubescent kids for some reason to pilot these robots and uh, battle it out with these angels. And then another relevant character is Misato. So she's kind of the caretaker and the commanding officer who's the uh, direct superior to Shinji, Asuka, and Rei. And she's a big time alcoholic as well. And she has a penguin named Pen Pen. And yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that's not too character. far. Yeah, I mean, like, how many animes can you think of where there's always, like, some sort of comedic uh, character that's somewhat of a main character or off, like, a side character that, you know. I feel like every anime has one of those, right? There's like Kakashi, who's the perv in Naruto. That you have in FLCL, the aunt or older sister who's a perv and alcoholic. I think every good anime kind of has one of those, no? Yeah, that's pretty common. And another thing for for Eva that's really made a revolutionary is the character designs and the archetypes we see with these main like the main children characters and Misato and Gendo. Those are pretty much recycled from a lot of later anime. Sure. Yeah. So that's uh, really big. I think it was very... And then there's like a lot of clinical depression and mental issues because the director himself, uh, Hideaki Anno, he's kind of going through that and he tried canceling the show who knows how many times. Sure. A lot of the episodes he kind of wrote at the last minute 
and then he kind of had a fight with the studio afterwards because the show made a lot of money and they kind of didn't know what to do with it and they're kind of mismanaging it so uh so after the show uh he basically had to redo the ending in a thing called end of evangelion mm-hmm. which so, to be honest I, I didn't watch that one yeah i, I kind of like to stay yeah. on the canon of everything um well that was actually necessary because there were like death threats coming to the director yeah and yeah the original Wait, but... ending was very psychological. That was more kind of like badly type ending. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of did that. Yeah. Without going too much into spoilers. And then in the, uh, I think, uh, 2010s, they started doing the rebuild films. So the director Hideki Anno started his own studio called Studio Kara. And they basically did the whole series again, but like uh, through a different animation and uh, through different stylings. So the first rebuild film, which was a 1.11, was kind of like the first season done again. And then the second one was, I think the last batch of episodes done again. And the third one, they had a new plot and some new uh, characters, etc. And the fourth one, I think, comes out this year. So that's kind of another approach he's taken to the whole thing. Got it. And it's going to be canon-wise, on. wise I think, uh, just to stick to the original series, which is on uh, Netflix. And then the uh, End of Eva film is also on Netflix. So that's a good entry point, uh, 26 episodes, I believe. Yeah, and I think Eva was a, a very influential anime uh, for our time. Uh, it was kind of in our younger days. What, do you think any anime of today or, you know, the past couple years c- can even compare? In genre or in influence? In influence. Influence in terms of longevity, in terms of popular culture, probably Attack on Titan. Yeah, Attack on Titan's up there. Do you think anything right now that's currently running? Will ever meet that? Like, I think Demon Slayer. I know they have an Inuyasha prequel. That, that was another seminal series from Adult Swim days. Inuyasha. Sure. Yeah, but that's so, relatively see, yeah. older, right? I'm, I'm talking like newer, newer, newer. No, they have, they have a prequel out right now. So, oh, so really? Come back into the, uh, the zeitgeist. Ah. And then other new stuff. I don't know. Maybe a few years back, we had... Uh, there was a show called uh, Death Parade I really enjoyed. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually interesting. It was uh, like an experimental OVA, which is kind of like a short sure. uh, one of animation, which they basically made it to a series. And I thought that was very ambitious in what it did and the way it uh, kind of showcased uh, the afterlife as a bunch of games. So like billiards and arcade games and a variety of things and really cool use of flashback. Got it. Do you typically watch just, uh, I would say, uh, story-heavy and very plot-twisting animes, or do you enjoy the slice-of-life kinds? I really enjoyed, like, School Rumble and Clannad. I love the, uh, what was the studio. The Kyoto animation, it just looks amazing. Got it. Yeah, so you, so you I, overall... Now I prefer older protagonists and more thinky-thinky, kind of like Monster or, like, Got Space it. Brothers, stuff like that. Got it. So you're, you, you don't... Uh, closet yourself with just one particular genre you kind of just go around see what's hot are you like me where you give uh maybe each anime whenever they release in a new season maybe an episode or two yeah i try, I try to do that I try to give there the benefit go. of the doubt That's and then I after that there's a lot of good review materials you can check online scores yeah, etc definitely for just friend recommendations i trust them more than some random reviewer on the net so if arjun were to suggest an anime to you you would uh give it one or two episodes at, at minimal one yeah uh, that's good that's good Arjun do you have any animes to oh, recommend that's, that's talk material as, as well yeah. you talk talking. material no I mean I mean talking oh, for conversation oh got it got, it, got it. it like like we're rewatching a show from 20 years ago like Eva or something then that for kind sure. of brings that back into my interest yeah definitely yeah um, I think I think one anime that I never got a chance to watch because I simply do not have the time 
Uh, Dragon Ball Super. I know they rebooted <laughs> the whole Dragon Ball series recently. Uh, Zan, have you started that one? Have you, have you checked it out? I think I stopped a Z at the Frieza saga, I think. Oh, it's just so not my company. Like, I know it's a cash okay. cow for Funimation, wow. and it's one of the biggest shows ever, but it just never was my thing. Yeah. Got you, got you. Not really a Dragon Ball type of person. Uh, were you more into the Pokemon and Digimon of the world? Did you like those? I, I really liked the original seasons, the original uh, uh, cast. I felt like the plot was good, and the, kind of the gimmicks were kind of new then. But like the the Pokemon of the week, or like the kind of reveal that they have to stuff this many people in an episode around the ad break around the sugary cereals, so so that that was kind of nice. And I think everything's on Netflix now, so that's great. Yeah, if you ever want to catch up on that stuff. And then Yu-Gi-Oh, I find more interesting actually, the whole Egyptian mythology and all that stuff going around in season one. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh was dope. Um, to be honest, man, like I watched almost everything that was on Saturday mornings back in the day. Uh, started with Pokemon, Digimon came along, which was amazing. I love the early <coughs> seasons. Um, then there was Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember even like buying those cards. I mean, I'm sure Dom did as well, right? Yeah, I still those, have uh, them around here somewhere. <laughs> well, one of these days we should uh, bust that shit out. Yeah, dude. Summon the Dark Magician. No, hey, I gotta tell you, man. That was like one yeah. of my first packs. I think uh, I, I, for some odd reason my parents were like, alright, fuck it, we'll get them a couple packs. I got three packs of Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh-huh. uh, one of the packs, kid you not, had a Dark Magician. And this was like during the first season when Dark Magician was all Yu-Gi-Oh! used. And I was like, oh my yeah. god, I'm so into it. So I, I was totally sold on Yu-Gi-Oh! forever. That is so cool, man. I, I remember, I probably shouldn't be saying this on the pod, but uh, back in the day, you know, we had these summer school programs, right? Uh, there was a session called like, Gifted and Talented Education. And, uh, you know, pretty much kids from all the different, you know, gate programs from all these different high schools would come and, uh, you know, meet up at, at some other high school for the summer and, and kind of like, a, you know, take a collection of classes where you can be creative, where you can learn things, that kind of stuff. And over there, there was this one kid who had a lot of nice Yu-Gi-Oh cards and stuff that wasn't out yet in America. You know, he had bought shit from Japan. And I I was watching the show at the time. And like, you know, I I don't remember seeing like the Great Sage, which is like Time Wizard. If you guys remember that one, plus Dark Magician combined together, like they're they're polymerized or some shit. And uh, you get this like old ass dude that looks really regal with like a, you know, purple cape and shit and that's like one of the best magician cards ever and i was like wow i gotta get that i gotta find a way to get that and so um i plotted a scheme oceans 11 style where i was basically setting up this guy setting up this kid to eventually take half his cards and he he would always bring like this huge portfolio lock and key with like all of his decks and boosters and, and custom made things and i was like man this guy's always showing off and we can never beat him straight up because we got all these shitty american cards and it's only on season two in america they're already on <laughs> season eight like they have the great sages like like quadruple headed white dragon you know what i mean like they, they they're just fucking up everything and, and so um you know we had this plot where like i would face him you know i would duel him and, and like i would basically distract him with some conversation and just like you know the gameplay and slowly but surely our friends or my friends rather would come by one at a time and take a few cards from his box oh, not not dude. all together yeah oh, yeah yeah you're, you're a gang leader at that point man and and <laughs> well no comment there and then afterward after the duel was done 
you know, uh, my friends had all ghosted. They had just left. That <laughs> and, and of course, you know, my, my opponent, he was looking at me the whole time. He knew I didn't take anything. And he was like, huh, you know, my, my box feels a little light. I'm like, oh, really? Does it? Huh, maybe maybe check under the table. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's <laughs> play in the coy, club. Yeah. yeah, play real coy, right? And, and then, uh, you know, I felt bad about it a little bit. But let me tell you the reward, man. Because the plan was to meet up at this, like, adjacent classroom, dump all the cards, and everybody goes free-for-all. That's exactly what we did. I got lucky, man. I got the Dark Magician Girl. I got the Great Sage that I was eyeing at. I got Osiris, man. I finally got that red dragon. You know what I mean? That god card. I got Osiris, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. But then later on, I, I think it got kind of worse because he uh, brought his mom to the classroom. Like at the end of the day, you know, the parents come and pick up the kids. I think his mom was like looking around and his mom was kind of suspecting everybody. Like, oh, it was probably him. Start pointing out the dark kids and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in this case, the stereotypes were true, but I, of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't confirm this. I wouldn't confirm this. But that was, uh, yeah, I felt bad about that. I mean, I, I haven't thought about it in years, but it sucked. I, I'm sure karma has gotten back to me in different ways. I'm sure the universe has restored himself. Probably that kid went on to, I don't know, maybe win multiple tournaments and get all those cards back. Hopefully. Hopefully he's had a nice life, but that was my one epic heist from back in the day. Uh, and it's tied to Yu-Gi-Oh! This one anime that I, I really enjoyed, you know, watching the dumb version on uh, Kids WV, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, anime aside, I know we can, or you, you two can talk about anime until the cows come home. But what I want to talk about is something we touched on earlier, creativity, right? You were talking about creativity in food, but I want to talk about creativity in music, because as you know, man... There's a lot of different kinds of artists out there, a lot of different poets, and some music, some, you know, talent out there is just really creative with their wordplay and the stuff that they use to describe their, their personal lives, personal stories. And for those that don't know, one interesting thing about Zan is he's actually really into poetry and he writes amazing stuff. Now, we're not going to put him on the spot and have him read anything that he has, you know, in the tuck, but what I thought might be kind of a fun challenge for Zan is to actually read somebody else's poetry and give us his interpretation of it. So, Zan, are you down for that? We're going to give you a couple of verses, and we just want to see your thoughts on the verses. Sure. It's All no right. mumble rap, right? Okay, there we uh, go. Yeah, no mumble rap. So, what we're going to do... So, I went ahead um, and uh, copied it into our Discord. Oh, right. shit. Is it the first verse, Don? Is is that what you did? No, you didn't, huh? Uh, actually, Zan, don't, don't read that one. Um... Actually, okay, fine. Fuck it. Let's just let's just go with it. So, Zan, in the Discord, go ahead and read, uh, you know, what it says. Go ahead and read it out loud one time, and then I just want to hear your overall thoughts. Like, what do you think the guy's talking about? And we're going in blind, not knowing who wrote it, right? Exactly. Yep. Got it. Nor, nor do we know the timing of it or anything of that sort. When it was written, all that. Okay. You painted the town red. Now everyone in the town's dead. You and I win again best friends till our last breath live by the gun die by the gun live by the sea live while we're young take from the rich give to the poor run to the hills run from the law ride shotgun with our crossbow head north where the sun grows start fresh where they don't know the things we did the stick up kids we laughed we cried we lived we died we came we saw, we conquered them all. Okay, so uh, you want to go line by line or just line by thing? line? I want to go line by line. Okay, sure. 
So painted the town red. I think that's probably like a blood symbology of some sort. They usually use the red, color red either for blood or for fertility, I think, from what I've seen. Oh, wow. And okay. then everyone in the town's dead, yeah, so it probably is the blood thing. Okay. So looks like there is some kind of shooting event going on or murdering and a lot of dead people. So then uh -huh. you and I went again, best friends till our last breath. So I'm not sure who the you and I is right now. It could be could be a friend, could be uh, a part of their subconscious or uh, something in their mind, maybe a character in their mind that they're talking to. So then live by the gun, die by the gun. I feel like that's a very common phrase that is used, like an idiom. So uh, given the context, I don't know what it means right now. I mean, I'll see as we go along. Sure. Live by the sea, live while we're young. So they have some kind of a youthful exuberance associated with the sea, maybe um, kind of a, like a beach body type thing, kind of enjoying uh, that youth, that memory. Take from the rich, give to the poor. So that's uh, pretty delicately the whole uh, Robin Hood story. Uh, run to the hills, run from the law. So kind of like a run and run away, Bonnie and Clyde type uh, scenario. Ride shotgun with a crossbow. So now we bring in the crossbow. I feel like that's a lot of the zombie, uh, zombie genre stuff. And they're riding shotgun. So someone else is driving the car. Head out north where the sun grows. So the sun growing means the sun is... Uh, moving so we have the passage of time and as it's growing we're coming near to the dawn and heading out north so that could be the north star i think oh. then uh, start fresh where they don't know the things we did the stick up kids so stick up could be a reference to the word stuck up so a different tense mm. or stick up could be more perseverant they're sticking up to an ideal got it and then uh, we laughed we cried we lived we died so that's the full cycle of life we came, we saw, we conquered them all. So either they are uh, conquering uh, memories or they're conquering uh, this battle. It looks like a, maybe like it's a video game battle, maybe a Call of Duty or something. Mm. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a depiction of a war, wartime uh, scenario where uh, the whole cycle goes through kind of dying for someone else, someone else's war. And they head out with North Star, so they head out with the pure intentions where the sun grows, so where they're... Uh, leadership is taking them and uh, they felt like they're noble the stick up kids they felt like they have the pure heart uh, and uh, they're moving forward and in the end they feel uh, like they don't have too many regrets because they felt like they conquered them all so they conquered all these fears all these anxieties and they've also painted the town red so even if there's some negativity to that phrase i feel like by saying we conquered them all they feel like there's some accomplishment there that they've kind of left their mark on the town. Wow. Wow. That was deep, man. I I, I didn't even look at it that way. I, I didn't even think of it as like a war going on and, you know, having some kind of a conquest through that. Now, you, you touched on a couple of things here, man. Painted the town red. I think initially you were thinking of fertility. Uh, what, what did you mean by fertility exactly with the color red? Sure. So uh, I guess women wearing red dresses and all, that's a common symbol for fertility. And then I think red's also royalty and sometimes blue as well. Those are just common uh, po poetic symbolism. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, did you also think that maybe painting the town red could simply be the expression like, oh, we're going to have a ball. We're going to go crazy. We're just going to 
you know, do it all tonight. But they wouldn't use the uh, red because red has, a, I guess, it's an interesting choice of the word red. Because the other way we could look at it is if it's not violent, but maybe graffiti, but then we go straight into death after that. So I'm assuming there's some kind of blood being uh, painted the town red. And I think that's a line from the Joker as well. He said oh. that line before. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So line two, when it says now everyone in the town's dead, did you take it as a literal dead? Uh, if, if we're looking at a, the war angle, yes. Otherwise, another way of seeing, uh, I think there's a quote that you die twice. I don't know if it's Kobe Bryant or someone. Once is when you, when you die and then once when they don't remember your name anymore. So if we're looking at that version of dead, um, you basically uh, made the town look so unrecognizable that no one recognizes it. So that's why everyone in the town is dead. Like it's dead to them. Mm, that's, so I guess that's another interpretation there. But I think it's pretty literal when they go into the war, die by the gun stuff, that it has some kind of a battle going on. So, so and we have like, the shotgun as well, so a lot of weaponry. True, we, we do have a lot of uh, gunfighting, it seems like. Um, now, what do you think it means on the third line, you and I win again? What would be the winning here? Is it just winning the war, winning the battle? You know, being able to go through the town, as you put it, literally killing them all? And, and bloodshed everywhere? Is that the, the winning aspect of it? So either it's having uh, being a survivor, like because uh, everyone else is dead, you either survived. Uh, so either you survived or you didn't die. So you basically have uh, those two angles. Or you can kind of, uh, you've won the battle uh, wrestling with yourself about the act of killing something. And you're okay with yourself after doing that. Wow. Okay, let me, let me kind of throw a, a monkey wrench into this one just to kind of see how you would interpret it if I give you this added detail, what if I told you this verse was about, or at least addressed to, a woman? What if it was a, a significant other of sorts? Now, how would you interpret this whole thing, knowing that you're basically the, the narrator or the voice, the active voice, is talking to a woman? Okay, so painting the town red. That's not sure what Definitely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but no, that just means from her uh, fertility, it killed everyone. Scarlet <laughs> letter or something like, yeah. Uh, well, maybe you know. Well, if it's if it's a woman they're addressing to, then they have a lot of negative emotions coming forth, and there's a lot of blame being thrown around. And by sit, but then you said you and I win again, so they've kind of joined forces and they're okay with each other then. So maybe he's after this prayer, so they're like. Or they're co-murderers or something. So it's basically mm. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Mm -mm. They're, they're, uh, so so Don had a great question. Say that one more time. I think you were asking. Oh, I was going to say, maybe he's a feminist of some sort. Right? If we uh, what what, what gives you what gives you a well, I mean, if, if he's with them where they painted the town red and, you know, they're conquering and he's supportive of this woman that he's talking to and, you know, you and I went again. They align in their uh, beliefs, rather maybe maybe i think more like, more like a co-conspirator or more like mm. a supporter because mm. i guess okay. feminist that's more like equal rights and if you killed a bunch of people you probably killed a bunch of women as well Ooh. Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. so so then that wouldn't uh, that would have a lot of uh, loopholes there mm. You're right. if it's addressing a woman i think they're kind of confused because oh. uh, they, they've kind of painted the town red so they've committed all these atrocities and then they win again so they're okay with it mentally 
and their best friends till their last breath. So, so that could be like a uh, like a Romeo and Juliet type of story that they kind uh, of die die in each other's ah, arms. That's interesting. That's interesting. So yeah. taking that a little bit further, you know, with the next few lines, it seems like you're kind of living life on the edge, right? Yes. So yeah, it could be a retrospective that they could be dying themselves, like live by the gun, die by the gun, and the last breath line. So that's probably hinting towards the kind of dying words. And ah. then they're kind of recapping, like the live by the sea, live by the young, take from the rich, give to the poor. So they felt like what they were doing was noble in some which way. And they kind of ride shotgun, so they're side by side in the car. And they use the with R crossbow, so there's that collective element there. So now, now Zen, if we were yeah. to take it just one step further, right? Do you think this is a literal death between the man and the woman? Or do you think this is more of a death of a, a friendship or death of a relationship, perhaps? So uh, if we take that angle, I think we look at uh, everyone in the town's dead as in this. Actually, it goes back to Neon Genesis. They have a thing called uh, the Hedgehog's Dilemma, which is explored a lot in that series where you don't want to get close to other people because you, you're you prickly and you might spike them. So in this uh, scenario, if everyone in the town's dead uh, refers to your perception of everyone else through your own, uh, your mind's eye, then uh, this victory over all that and this living by the edge can uh, more so be addressed as something more, more metaphorical and something you can kind of handle on the inside without actual actual deaths occurring. So you're kind of dealing with uh, any negative energies there. Hmm. And, and, you know, to follow this up, you'd be surprised, but this poet has one more verse for you to interpret. So here is the, the second verse. And just go ahead and read that one time for the audience, and then we'll dive right into it. Your face looks so sweet, even in the wars. You took the rap from me, but I fell on my own sword. And now the sordid details are all over page four. Honey, we made the news, and that's all we did this for. We drove for centuries without a sound or fuss. State penitentiaries were made for souls like us. There will be blood, but you will be loved. The world will know, but it's only us. Wow, that was a powerful finish to this interesting poem. So, Zan, what do you think is going on? Let's go bar by bar, line by line, starting with the first one. What do you think is happening? Okay, so the first line uh, looks like, do uh, you know the phrase war paint? Uh, no, I don't. What is war paint? So you know, like in, in football, they they put that, that uh, the paint on their face. I think they mainly do it for like sunlight and all, sunlight mm -hmm. protection. But uh, I guess in wars, they had all this tribal paint they would do on the face to kind of signify their scars, the battle scars, and their whole uh, trajectory of the war, how it's going. Oh, and, like mascara. Uh, kind of Align with their own people, yeah. Okay. So their squad. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. So the protagonist here is appreciating someone's face even in the war so even in the uh, the arguments in a relationship or uh, literal war battles if we're referring to a war you took the rap from me but i fell on my own sword so if we're looking at like a legal drama then someone uh, took the blame so they uh, marked themselves guilty but even in doing so the protagonist fell on their own sword so they somehow injured themselves even when else someone else takes the blame they're still injuring themselves 
and now the sorted details all over page four. So I believe page four is a tabloid thing. And it usually has these kind of murder rap, these kind of stories that are just there for clicks, there to kind of strike up emotion. Uh, honey, we made the news and that's all we did this for. So that just goes back to the whole uh, wanting to be a headline, wanting that uh, uh, 15 minutes of fame. We drove centuries without a sound or fuss. State penitentiaries weren't made for souls like us. So I believe uh, they're not certain that their crime was uh, something to uh, deserve this entire uh, jail sentence. And it's hard to define with a state penitentiary punishment. There will be blood, but you will be loved. The world will know, but it's only us. So it seems like it's talking about like crimes of passion, maybe that uh, people will kill for their loved ones, be, be it war, be it a relationship, be it trying to get out of a murder case or a trial. And uh, mm -hmm. the world might know a certain aspect of it, but only they will know the full story. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So um, would you say that overall this was a, a nice collection of verses for a, a poem about a man and a woman, their trials and tribulations, their experiences through whatever it may be, through, you know, problems, difficulties in relationships, or even dealing with the press, dealing with media. Did you like this overall? I thought it was really good. Have you seen the film uh, Chicago, uh, 2002, I think it is? I've actually uh, never seen the film and I've never been to the city. Right. So that's a musical about uh, a kind of like a sci-fi <laughs> lawyer who has these uh, jilted uh, lover type clients who basically kill their husbands and he kind of has to represent them on the stand. So he's a master at, you know, manipulating the media, creating the circus ah. uh, to kind of help the clients, you know, uh, get sympathy from the jury and get off on a light sentence. So this really reminds uh -huh. me of that, that movie. But I think uh, just the word choice, stick up kids, a lot of things, uh, the crossbow, and then the, the state penitentiaries, and then going from uh, my own sword to sordid details. I think that was very apt. Just the word choice is really good. I feel like it could have been very uh, uh, generic the way it started, but I felt like it, it kind of took us on a journey. And it kind of changed uh, the meaning of the poem. But just in, when you introduced the new verses, it totally kind of flipped what I thought the poem was about. Mm -hmm. did, it, did it kind of seem like the new verse should have gone before the first one? Like the second one should have came before the first. Or Not necessarily. Oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. I feel so, like it's kind of unstuck in time. Like it kind of is a really revealing verse, uh -huh. but the first can kind of be a standalone on its own. But this uh -huh. kind of gives you a full picture of the whole thing. Ah, uh -huh. interesting. Because yeah. the well, page for short story details and state penitentiaries that brings the legal aspect and the media aspect like uh, up front and center. It's kind of hard to avoid that. You bring up some great points, and I think you know now would be the time to explain where this is from. So sure. there is a artist, very talented young man, by the name of Rally Ritchie. That's R A L E I G H, Ritchie, R I T C H I E, and he is uh, probably best known as the actor that played uh, Grey Worm on Game of Thrones. He played like a kind of like a, a soldier 
you know, from a different land. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but he was very, you know, into music. He has his own, you know, uh, hit records. He uploads on YouTube. He dances. He does a little bit of everything. And so a friend of mine uh, brought this to my attention today. Like, hey, you know, this might be interesting to have someone interpret, you know, because Riley Ritchie, he has a lot of different metaphors and, and imagery, as Zan, you so noticeably pointed out. And uh, it would be cool to have somebody like yourself, Zan, who does do poetry on the side, who does have a very lyrical mind, so to speak. You have a lot of, you know, references and connections that you'd like to tie together to see your take on what Rowley Ritchie could do. And this is actually from a song called The Last Romance. So you can uh, you can check this out at a later time. Um, it's uh, the song itself. You may or may not like it, depending on, you know, if you enjoy that that brand of music. It's a little bit on the, you know, kind of like an R&B pop, hip hop side. But uh, yeah, we just wanted to get your thoughts on it. And I'm glad you were able to break this down for us. Because when I first read it, I, I didn't know what to make of it at first. You know, I, I had a feeling as to what it was about. But to hear your interpretation, especially with the, uh, the fertility dresses and the blood everywhere and the, uh, you know, focusing on the state penitentiary and all the different imagery and wordplay, that was really cool. So thank you, Zan, for that breakdown, that astute analysis of Rally Ricci's The Last Romance. Um, Did he ever release his own uh, feelings about it, or is this kind of up to up to anyone? You know, I, I think like any true artist, um, his own feelings, of course, stem from sadness, probably from his personal dealings with this woman. Maybe it was a relationship that was amazing that had everything he could ever ask for, but ultimately just didn't work out for multiple reasons. But as with all good artists and good music, I think the piece of art that's in front of us is always open to interpretations. It could very much be about war, as you pointed out initially. It could be about somebody else's relationship. You could see something in this song, the pain, the brilliance, whatever it is that can relate to your life. And so I, I oftentimes think... Uh, the, the really good artists out there, whether it's, uh, you know, a Zan rocking the ones and twos, because I know, Zan, you like to get down a little bit with some raps every now and then, or whether it's uh, Don. You know, Don has some bars as well. You know, uh, what, what was that one line you like to say? ACG and T. Now it's on you. <laughs> right? right? So they about the DNA. The, so, yeah, it's coding about the DNA. DNA. <laughs> and, and, there you go. And, and the thing is, you never know what could come out of it. From that bar alone, we actually came up with the name of this group, SoCal DNA. And so it's really interesting how, you know, creativity can happen anytime. And even looking at other people's work can inspire us to do something creative. And so we hope that, uh, you know, after breaking down this one, Zan, maybe you get inspired to, you know, take out the old pen and paper and uh, write <laughs> up something yourself. And maybe next time we have you around. Uh, you'll be able to share something that you came up with, something original from the mind of Zen. So, uh, you know, we just want to say thank you for hanging out with us today. This was an extended episode, but rightfully so. I mean, there's always so much to talk about, so much more to talk about. We covered a plethora of topics from anime to, uh, you know, different food, like where the food scene is going, and to even music. And we, we skimmed through politics a little bit. Didn't really touch on that too much, probably for the best. But uh, Zan, how, how did you how did you enjoy yourself today? Did you have a good time? 
Yeah, I was just uh, looking at the, the poem again, and just a new idea came to mind with the Pain of the Town red line. Uh -huh. Okay. So I was uh, just after the context you've given, uh, and just about this rapper, just kind of looking at his order. So the Your Face line was actually the, big, the top of the poem. So given that at the top, the Pain of the Town red could also refer to bloodshot eyes and kind of uh, dealing with kind of like your, your, your whole... Uh, vision in front of you is turning red because you're so uh, disturbed or pained or bludgeoned that that everyone in the town's dead is more meaning uh, the your perception that your whole world around you is kind of gone rather than actual people you know and and that's the beautiful part about interpretation sometimes uh you know we have to read something twice to really understand what's happening and every time we read it again and again we find hidden gems I happen to do that all the time with Pusha T songs, with Red Hot Chili Peppers music. And Zan has shown us that even a little bit of research can open our eyes to new bars, new lyrics. And I hope we carry that with us for next time. I hope the audience as well takes something from this episode. I, I hope they find something from this episode and they, uh, you know, take that with them in their day to day. And, and maybe they'll get inspired to be creative and, and uh, you know, do interesting things in the future um but with that being said uh from socal dna featuring zen uh i hope that everyone had a good time i hope that uh you guys enjoyed this new dynamic with uh with a guest it's something new that we tried out today and uh, let us know your feedback let us know your comments we're always uh you know open ears uh waiting to hear what's up but until next time this is uh the a from socal dna signing off <laughs>